This is Self-Evident, a podcast where we tell Asian America's stories. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, James Beard award-winning author. (laughs) Just kidding. I am Julia Shu, senior producer of Self-Evident. I'm very rarely on the show. I'm usually just behind the scenes. But for this very special occasion, um, I found out that James and Kathy had never seen the 1998 classic version of Mulan. So I made them watch it and then sat down to talk about it. Just a heads up, of course, the live-action version of Mulan came out a few days ago, but we're not going to be talking about it that much. I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to see it, but I think the old version is still a fun watch, and it brings up some interesting topics in terms of what movies we were seeing at the time uh, and how Chinese-American and Asian-American culture are represented or not represented in the movie uh, and in terms of gender and sexuality. So, enjoy. Oh, that's too high. There we go. I'm recording too. I see the little red light. Awesome. Okay, thank you both of you for sitting down to talk with me about Mulan, a um, divisive and momentous time in Asian American history. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know it was divisive. Uh No, okay. Maybe it's just divisive for me. When it came out when I was a kid, I understood, oh, it's a good thing that there's a Chinese Disney movie and there's going to be like Asian American actors in it. And I was like, okay, that's a positive thing. But as a kid, I was like angry that there was a romantic plot line in it because I had a children's book of Mulan with no romance in Mm. it. In the children's book, she just like wins this very important battle by putting lanterns on the horns of sheep and then the sheep like climb up the mountain and so like she's it shows that she's like very she's a badass um and that's all yeah. yeah and and also like she never gets found out as being a woman and so like when i found out in the movie that she gets found out and there's a romance plot line i was like okay this is trash <laughs> Super basic question, because Kathy and I just saw this movie for the first time. <laughs> and I think a lot of that has to do with how old we were when it came out. And so, it, Julia, you said you were a kid when this yes. came out and you had all these feelings about it. But how old were you? Like 1998, right? I was seven. I was in high school. Yep. And that might be just the simplest reason, Kathy, yep. that we didn't see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that late, too. Me neither. I was like a sophomore in high school when this movie came in. I just remember like... There was this uh, a friend of a friend of my parents, and uh, they had an adopted girl from China, a little baby. And um, Halloween, she, they like bought the Disney outfit for Mulan, I guess, for babies or whatever. And they go up to my mom, they're like, guess what she is? You don't know what she is? And my mom was like, I had no idea what your child is supposed to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she's like, it was Mulan. I was like, okay, well... The Disney costume for Milan is not really something that, like, just is common knowledge. That was funny. Yeah. But I did not see the movie. I did. It was not even on my radar. I think, like, for me and James, like, we don't... I, I don't really see a lot of big-budget, like, Hollywood movies, just period. And I haven't seen a lot of, like, animated movies in forever. I also looked this up and, like, remembered, okay, what was the last, like, Disney, Disney f- film that I saw? And it was Pocahontas. <laughs> I'm sure more Disney knowledgeable people would have more information on this, but I think there was something in the 90s where 
before that, like, and my family had all the VHS tapes for these, but we had like Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Sleeping Beauty. And those were like the base of the Disney princess movies. And then in the 90s, there was like Lion King, Pocahontas, Aladdin, Mulan. And it's like, oh, the the non-white stories started coming out. Yeah. Um, and also the stories that are, you know, like not traditional princess and dragon kind of stuff. I totally see what you're saying. Like, I saw that happening and I was just almost just like, oh, forget that. Because it's just, it seems so like, okay, let's cherry pick a fable or a folklore from each Mm -hmm. culture and let's go around the globe. I didn't feel like, oh, I should watch it because I'm Asian American. Like, I I just thought that because I am also Chinese American, like it, it just felt like they were pandering um, it seems so intentional. And after watching it, now I have a slightly different take on that because I actually saw it. Okay. What's your different take? <laughs> well, I actually think that they did a really kind of a decent job of trying to show the culture and like the philosophies of, of Chinese culture, some of the major tenets of Chinese philosophy. And I kind of want to give them, a, you know, credit for that. Well, so before you watched it, if you had to give it a one to 10, just based on like, how much do I think I'm going to enjoy watching Mulan? What would you have said? Zero. I was just five. So harsh. Five right in the middle was my expectation. (laughs) I was going for like a six, maybe. Very scientific here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very scientific. Only because like when I just rewatched it now, I knew certain parts of it and I knew the songs already. What expectations did you have about why it was why it was going to be a zero? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty brutal, Kathy. <laughs> I was like afraid to watch it, to be honest. I thought it, it was going to be cringeworthy. It was just trying to disnify something that was part of Chinese history or folklore. I was just worried about all that. I was just thinking like it's a Disney movie in the 90s at the peak of like studio pre-Netflix, pre- Napster, like no one's going to put this much money into a movie to have it be bad or offensive. And so I felt like five, it'll just be innocuous. It'll just be like the thing that just gets people in the seats, uh, doesn't challenge them. And, and, you know, maybe like you cry. I, I was surprised at how few emotional moments there were in this compared to like other movies, even from Disney. Hmm. Like, nobody, like, died, like, Mufasa. Yeah, like, the Lion King is, like, that moves people. That, that the way, everything about the way they animated it, the emotional acting, the fact that he watches his dad die and then his uncle fucking killed him. Yeah. That's, like, Dumbo's mom. Brutal. That is, like. That, that scarred a lot of people, I know. Dark Shakespearean yeah. kind of shit. Anyway, I thought it would be a five. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? I'd actually put it this way. I once went to an Outback Steakhouse and... On that day, I learned that Outback is actually not an Australian restaurant. Outback is an Australian-themed American dining experience. And and that's like Mulan. It is an East Asian Chinese-themed movie. Yeah. And when I was watching it, I didn't feel like there was anything really culturally specific about it, at least from my perspective. And it wasn't like in a terribly offensive way, but it did feel like a very broad kind of white gaze on what Asian things must be like. Right. And I guess that's a good place to mention the caveat that we're talking about Asian American culture, Asian American representation. But of course, 
Mulan is a Chinese ballad, and this takes place in China. So nothing in it specifically says anything for non-Chinese Asian Americans. Um, and, and of course, it's not even particularly historically accurate um, for China. Like, I, I don't think the Forbidden City should have existed at that point. Uh, the Huns are this kind of amalgamation of the Huns plus like ethnic minority groups from different geographic locations and different time periods. Well, it sounds like the new version is trying to atone for that, right? Like, you know, the historical aspect, they're taking out the love interest. What I read about why the producers said they took out the character of Li Shang that he, they said, because of the Me Too movement, it would be inappropriate for us to have a character who is her commanding officer and a love interest. And then, right. of course, Twitter was like really pissed off. And then a lot of people were like, oh, but it's, it's appropriate for Belle to kiss like the beast, a guy who is her abuser <laughs> and kidnapper before they get married. Oh, and like all these other things. I would agree that Lee Sean's character sucked in the original. It was. It wasn't a great love story, if that's what they were going for. <laughs> There's know. a moment where, remember when, like, she saves the day, and then he, like, was about yeah. to die, and then he says, I have this written down in, in the notes I was taking while I watched it. He says, like, I owe you my life. You have earned my trust. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you didn't trust this yeah. person? I Like, I thought you were going to promote this person <laughs> or something. The weakest part yeah. of that movie, for sure. I feel like the first half of it is really the strongest. The first half, and then, like, as it goes further and further, the more it's just, like, what is space? Why are they, like, how did they travel to the Forbidden City in, like, an afternoon? I totally agree. It was, like, how can we make this folklore into a Disney movie now or into a Western fairy tale right now? Which ends with the, you know, the happily ever ending of a romantic situation, so... (laughs) I, I have positive things to say too about it. Yeah, what are the, everyone, everyone? But we can we can continue to trash it. What is your <laughs> go on? What what is what my are positive? Good parts? Okay, so rewatching it, I remember seeing the beginning of the movie, the scene where she's at um, her family shrine, and then the stuff with the ancestors. I remember thinking when I was a kid that that was like super super cheesy, and I didn't like the songs or the jokes or anything. And then rewatching it now, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that's just like, now I'm like reinterpreting it through a different lens or like now I'm just more willing to see the good in old things. Uh, that's exactly what I was sort of alluding to when I said I, I appreciate how they kind of you know tried to show the mm-hmm. culture, how they showed the ancestors gathering around as ghosts and talking about her. I think the tricky thing is that you both are versed and like aware (laughs) and have history and and like for any other person, say a white person (laughs) who's forming opinions about Asian people, (laughs) they don't they can't pick apart the things that kind of ring true or have some resonance to them and the things that are just lies or stereotypes or just like totally made up things. Well, Okay, one of the one of the theories that I have about people really loving Mulan, especially like Asian Americans loving Mulan, is that I feel like it's essentializing to a lot of cultural things, right? But I feel like in some ways that matches really well with being a second or third generation Chinese American where you're like the things that you know and you understand about Chinese culture 
are often the things that are like boiled down to like, oh yeah, ancestor worship. I think that's a thing. I think that like, you know, it's like some of these things are like familiar and it's just because like the stuff that you've learned and you've absorbed, it's not going to be like super accurate or even like up to date with how people in China actually feel about it. It's just like your own weird filtered American version of things. And, and also dragons are definitely black. <laughs> Yes, that's how you know that it came out in the 90s because Eddie Murphy is a sidekick dragon. One thing that I wanted to ask you regarding this cultural aspect is, did any of your families like give a shit about honor? <laughs> it's like, this is the thing about Asian themed entertainment that like I never relate to because like, oh, yeah. my parents don't give a fuck about honor. Like they don't, they don't like being embarrassed. They don't like being ashamed, but like they're just kind of make money, be competent, uh, don't mm -hmm. endanger yourself and just like go do life for the most part. Yeah. That, the word honor definitely just pops like up so many times. embarrassment. Sounds really corny and all. I think it's maybe a semantic issue too. Like bring honor mm -hmm. to us all. Like it that just gets translated and, you know, re you know, phrased that way a lot. I think when you try to translate things that are just basically like, hey, don't embarrass us. Like <laughs> help us save face by like looking good and i think that's i don't know i think there's something to that that's a huge part of um my upbringing <laughs> for sure i think that these are common themes because when somebody's like a storyteller a filmmaker and they're writing their first script it's often like a coming of age story and the idea of the conflicted person who doesn't know the, their way in life i feel like that's like the crux of so many of those disney movies right like who am I in this world? And there's always pressure from your whole family or your country or your culture, you know, plays into a lot of people's decisions when they're trying to navigate that like space of, of, of who I'm going to be. And to me, like that just sounds like a common theme. The song Reflection, which is tied for me as like my top two songs of the movie, I wrote down, wow, is this a self-evident episode? <laughs> because I feel like, you know, a uh, young Asian person having internal angst about like fulfilling their family's expectations is totally a trope that we have done stories about many times. That reflection, the when will my reflection show, that one? Yeah. I've had that stuck in my head since I heard that. Me too. I've yeah. been like singing it for days. <laughs> it's a pretty good song. Okay, so that gets into another topic that I wanted to bring up. Uh, when I went looking for opinions about Mulan online, a lot of Asian Americans were celebrating it as maybe the most queer movie that Disney made, definitely in the 90s, um, like the song Reflection, which is about hiding your true self from your family, wanting to really express who you really are. Hmm. And then, of course, she goes off and she disguises herself as a man. Oh. So there's all these themes about gender expression and identity uh, that resonated for a lot of people. Hmm. Um, and then the reaction when it was announced that Li Shang wasn't going to be in the new remake, some people were mourning the loss of what they see as a bisexual hero in the Disney universe. You know, he has a connection with Mulan before he ever knows that she's a woman. And that could be interpreted as Li Shang is bisexual. Huh. 
I definitely don't think that Disney intended that interpretation, but it's how a lot of people see it. I had no idea this was part of the Mulan discourse at all, <laughs> but I do have two notes that I took down where I, I don't remember any of the songs, but I do remember and I wrote down this phrase, oh, fuck yeah, I'm all about this 80s gender bending montage. <laughs> Where she's cutting her hair and like dressing yep. like a dude and the 80s like pulsing music. That was like yes. probably the closest I got to an emotional like this is this is good. Like I, I want kids to see this. <laughs> the montages were so amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I can totally see it from that side of view. The other side is that Mulan was so non normally sexualized in the, like the normal Disney princess universe, I guess. So mm-hmm. if you consider like that, you know. Ariel had boobs sticking out the whole movie. So she was a very different kind of heroine, I thought. So I I read it like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, because I also feel like the images and the trailer that I've seen of the remake, to me, that focuses way more on like physical beauty versus the animated old one where I feel like there isn't that much focus on it. Because if there is anything, it's that she's like wiping her makeup off. And then, uh, yeah. then you know, they decided to like kind of shoehorn in like a love story, which it really didn't didn't seem, you know, convincing, I guess. But, you know... I guess it was definitely it, not a well-developed romance, no. but I think the fact that they started the romance, they started the like meaningful glances happening before it's revealed that she is a woman. And I think that's why a lot of people are like, is oh. he bisexual? Because it seems like they have a connection before he knows that she's female. And I kind of feel like it wasn't intentional with Disney, but that's cool. I kind of wonder a lot, like, did they see that this is what people were making out of it? And that's why the remake is the way that it is. Uh, and, like, they didn't want it to be reinterpreted in this way. Even though I feel like any story, like Shakespeare's plays and all these things that have cross-dressing in them, <laughs> that it's inherently, like, a gender-bending thing. Um, but they're like trying to make it as straight as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there's literally a board of executives thinking, oh, we got to set this record straight. Well, I also feel like Mulan, the old one, the animated Mulan is more of a creation of Asian American culture and the remake is more of a creation of like Chinese culture Uh, just because like the actress is Chinese versus an Asian American actor. Mulan in this animated film is definitely an American girl who happens to be Asian in descent. <laughs> she doesn't have an yeah. accent. Her parents have accents. I don't know. I have no idea, by the way, how the, the logic of accents works in this movie at all, but I'll just sidebar that. I will say that in the credits, that nobody who made this movie is Asian. There's one Asian writer. <laughs> I may be wrong, but like, I really am not going to get invested in like the success of a movie unless something in the money trail or the decision making Mm -hmm. process the process of how the thing gets made to me needs to be not even diverse it just needs to have some change i'm sure they took the script around and showed it to people and were like is this okay (laughs) (laughs) should should this should we should we include this fortune cookie scene no we shouldn't damn okay that one chinese guy said it was okay let's go with it What what is Mushu like? Are they did did they just name him after the dish? Like, it's, does Mushu so. have a meaning? Oh no, you're right. I, I didn't so. even think of that. 
Did they oh, have a general yeah. show in the movie too? No. That's like he died, he died off screen. That was uh, one of the other oh, generals. Yeah. Okay. So going from a James a five, Kathy a zero, I gave it a six. Um, after you watched it, how would you rank it in terms of enjoyment? I'm gonna give it a six or seven. Oh, that's so much higher than it started off. Yep. I have low expectations. <laughs> It's it's the plus about having really low expectations. Uh, it's a five. It's exactly the same. <laughs> Pretty much exactly what I expected. <laughs> and I was thinking after watching it, I have seen other movies under the Disney corporate unisphere that are more recent, like Coco. And there's just nothing in this movie that is moving to me. And I and it just underscores for me that like race is not a story. Like if I'm just talking about this as a plot, the story with great scenes, like it's just like a inconsequential, innocuous movie that maybe if you watch it the right time of your life, I'm sure will will have an impact. But I'm a 36 year old cishet dude in 2020 who did not grow up with this film and did not pick up on what I now kind of recognize are the most meaningful layers of it. And so for me, it's. Maybe just kind of too late. <laughs> the time has passed. Yeah. Okay. What would I give it? I would give it a seven. Um, I really enjoyed the songs. Mostly, I enjoyed Reflection and I'll Make a Man Out of You. I'll Make a Man Out of You is my top karaoke pick. Let's get down to business. De- depending on like the crowd I think it's really fun to sing and I get a lot of enjoyment out of imagining the scene of like her pretending to be a man and then singing about being men <laughs> anyway um, okay we need to have that karaoke section another time for sure um okay and 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 I would add one last dimension I don't think it's a de facto Asian American milestone it's a de facto liberal milestone it's like this particular 90s vision right of what a tolerant society is which is basically white but they're kind of cool with these colors also in there sometimes Mm -hmm. and uh you can be a princess also it's like okay the metaphor for it is in the movie when she gets a bowl of jook but it has bacon and eggs put on top of it. <laughs> oh like an, God, under, like so an American breakfast. <laughs> it's not breakfast if you don't have bacon and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could have had Chinese sausage. Wow. I think any of our rough edges would have been softened a little if we actually had some food while we were <laughs> doing this conversation. <laughs> if Ming No Wen's running around saying, oh, and thanks for that century egg and your preserved yeah. mustard greens and your pork floss. <laughs> Once a Disney movie just has people eating dried squid, then I think I'll be like, okay, that's that's pretty real. That's progress. Yeah. Okay. We'll look forward to that. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that wraps it up. Thank you, James and Kathy, for sitting through this movie that you were not that excited about. And I am going to leave a link in the show notes for uh, a video that I think should be part of Mulan canon. It's a performance from Ariana Amor, a Filipino-American burlesque dancer from New Orleans. And she puts on this really amazing performance of reflection that I encourage everyone to go watch. All right. All right. Till next time.